everyone. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Legends of the Spire. Uh, on the podcast this week, we've got Sean O'Neill, uh, the Belfast-born player. Um, started his career at Leeds uh, as a youth player. Um, he was there in the late 60s, early 70s, which is when those iconic players of Leeds' past uh, were all playing. And then he moved to Chesterfield in the mid-1970s and stayed with us for uh, kind of more than a decade, uh, rattling up loads of appearances, putting him in the... Um, right at the top echelons uh, of top appearance makers for Chesterfield. Uh, it was great to speak to him about his time at the club, really modest about his achievements. Um, but, but yeah, great, great to speak to him. Uh, huge thanks to the fan that set this one up as he's a neighbour of Sean's. Um, so if anyone listening to this or watching uh, does live on the same street as any ex-Chesterfield players, please do ask them on uh, our behalf. Um, don't harass them too much, uh, but ask them on our behalf. And if you do want to get in touch, at Spire Legends on Twitter, uh, Legends of the Spire on Facebook, or you can also email us uh, at legendsofthespire at outlook.com. Um, so yes, I hope you all enjoy the episode with Sean. Uh, it was a great laugh, and we'll be back for more uh, in the next few weeks. So this is the latest episode with Sean O'Neill. So, you're from Belfast. Yeah, yeah, originally from Belfast, yeah. Um, seems a long time ago, but um, yeah, um, born and bred. Yeah, and yeah. you're right in saying you're a, a youth international for Northern Ireland when you were... I mean, I mean, I mean growing up then, uh, <laughs> I don't like saying it, but it's a long time ago, and... Um, there was no, obviously there was no academies and stuff like that that there is now. So it was basically, um, you, you went round, you, you went round and you got a game of football wherever you could. And um, the, the school I went to was, 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 was initially, um, I don't think they had much of a football team. It was more Gaelic and, and hurling. And um, I mean, Gaelic's a great game, but I, I'd always got into, I always wanted to play, the, uh, to play football. Um, and I just played football and you just moved about, you know, you went somewhere and you saw some lads playing and you joined in and had a game and stuff like that. And then um, when we got, when I went to the, <clears throat> excuse me, the, the secondary school, we sort of, I don't, I don't know how we did it, but we, we managed to sort of, sort of get in and get, start playing football. And uh, so, and then just one thing led to another and I ended up, um, I think I was four, probably 14 at the time. Um, going for trials with um, some of the Irish clubs, and then obviously got they had trials for the for the the other Irish school lads, and uh, yeah, I got into that and I, I played. Um, did I play two or three two or three games? Um, yeah, so so yeah, it was it was a good start. Uh, what uh, what position on the pitch were you were you back then? Everyone we talked to were all strikers. It seems. <laughs> no, I wasn't a striker. I wasn't. Uh, I, I played midfield then. Um, Probably because it was a big ugly devil. So um, I, I played in midfield. Um, I mean, it sounds silly now, but when, I used to play with the men because I was I was I was I was bigger than the other kids, um, and I, I sort of remember thinking, well, I didn't want to um, didn't want to rely on um, sort of strength and stuff like that because obviously you're going to come up against people that's bigger than you. So so. Anyway, so I, I ended up, I used to play with the men um, and that toughens you up. 
um, and you pick things up from them and stuff like that. Um, and it just things went from there, and it just sort of just just escalated. Um, I'd been, I'd actually played. I was I was playing in an under eighteen game, and, and it, it, it was a park not from not far from from, from where we live. And um, the Leeds United scout was there. And anyway, I got word that he wanted to come and see my parents and that. So he came on the he came the day after on the Sunday, uh, and he was talking to my parents. And I think I, I mean I'm telling you lies because I can't remember, but um, it wasn't long before I went to Leeds United in the holidays. It was a holiday in February or March time or something. I don't know whether it was half term or what. So I went to Leeds United for a week, and I absolutely loved it. It was brilliant, and uh, they they. they you know, I had, at the end of the week, I got called into the manager's office and he said that they wanted to sign me. Um, well, what do you say? Do you, you know, it's not coming. And um, so there was an internet, when the international started for the schoolboys, I think it was, um, it was Wales uh, in Belfast and two of the, uh, the, the assistant manager and the, the coach they came over to watch the match thinking I'd be playing. <laughs> I was only so, I was very happy, but, um, but they came to see my father in that in the afternoon. Um, and um, they were expecting me to be playing. <laughs> they wanted to know what they were getting, um, but they failed. So, so yeah, so they came, so that was the start of it. And then I got into the, I got in for the next two games and that. So, um, so yeah, it was a good experience. Was it, was it tough for the, what, how did you work it with your with your family and things? Did you come over to Leeds on your own or did? Yeah, no, I came over on my own. I mean, I was fifteen. Um, I mean, I can remember it to this day. It was it, it was it was a Sunday, um, and I've got the twenty second of June stuck in my head. But it was it was about that time. But it was definitely a Sunday, and um, the Leeds scout took me up to the airport and stuff like that. And then when I got to Leeds, obviously I got picked up and all that sort of stuff. And I thought, oh, because when I went on trial, I'd stayed in a hotel for a week. I'd never been in a hotel in my life. And um, so that was different. People making you food and all that, and you don't have to wash the pots and all that. And then, um, yeah, they, they took me straight to the digs and I was in with lovely people. Um, and and, and they, they didn't have any kids of their own. They, they really, really looked after me. Um, yeah, and, 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 and then just things went, went from there. Yeah. So, so what year are we in now? So is it 60? Yeah. 67. Yeah. <laughs> so in, between, in between England winning the World Cup and, uh, and uh, Neil Armstrong landing on the moon, I suppose. Yeah, but it was, I forgot about Emma, I'm not bothered about England uh, when they won the no. World Cup. But it was like, you, you know, like when you're a kid and you're growing up, like the first cup final I can remember watching was um, Manchester United versus Leicester. And I can still tell you the team near enough from, from what Manchester United was, not last week. And, um, and then you go to Leeds and like there were Norman Hunter and Big Jack there. And they'd played in the World Cup the year before and you'd seen it all. And then you meet these people, you know, face to face and that and stuff like that. You're cleaning the boots and that. So, and, and it, you're quite in awe of these people. Not just for that, but they were good people. There, there, there wasn't really anybody that you could say was a bad egg there, but, you know the the thing, but but you go and you see them playing football, and, and and one of the things you know when you're thinking back about about um, sort of what you've done and stuff like that, um, 
you're a kid and you've come over from Belfast. So, and I've spoken to some friends uh, who we were, we were apprentices together and I've asked them the same thing. And it's like, you're totally in awe. And even now when I see some, when I see them, I'm still in awe of them. Yeah. You know, because of what, I, I mean, you think, I keep saying this to people, I don't think anybody believes me, but you, you know, you think you're a good footballer. And then you go play with people like this and you realise maybe I'm not as good as I thought I was. <laughs> yeah, because some of the things they used to do was, uh, yeah, it was, it was brilliant. And um, so, yeah, just all, just, uh, there's obviously, uh, there's lots of things that sort of go wrong and you're not happy with, but you, you forget those and you keep, it's, 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 it's usually the good things that you draw. And as you get older, you tend to forget a lot of it anyway, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> so so yeah, I mean I'm I'm uh, I'm here in Leeds. Um yeah. I've got got two boys who I'm gonna try desperately to make them Chesterfield fans and not Leeds fans <laughs> over the next few years. But it's a it's a mad footballing city. And yeah. you know, they're, they're a one club city very much. Yeah. Um, what was it like living in Leeds at the time and, and kind of well, being part of that setup? Well well, you say it's a one, it's 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 a one, it's a one club. Well, it's not because they're competing with the rugby, they're competing with the cricket, and Leeds United had to sort of, they had to win them over. But I mean, listen, you're a kid, and it's all you ever want to do is to go play football. Um, the following year, in '68, in, in fact, the end of February, beginning of March, they played the League Cup final at Wembley against Arsenal. It was a shocking match, but they won one nil. So we all went down and all stuff like that. And you, you know, you, you've never, you've seen Wembley on the television, but you've never been in the atmosphere and stuff like that. So, and then um, the lads used to go to the old, you won't remember it, you're well gone, is, is the old Mecca on a Saturday night. And the old Mecca was, it was good. Uh, I mean, I can't, I couldn't dance or anything like that. But it was just a whole new experience. You, you're learning stuff, you, you're learning, um, you're just learning about life. And it, 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 was it was an exciting time because Leeds United then were, obviously they'd had a couple of good years when they, when they got back in or when they got into the old first division. And then that season that they won the League Cup, the beginning of the following season, they played the, the beat, I think it was Juventus, they beat them in the final of the, the old Intercity's first cup. Mm. And, and you were there, and there's like 40 or 1,000. I mean, the atmosphere in there when it's full is absolutely brilliant. Um, you know, and, 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 and it's, you're there, you, can, you get in, you don't have to worry about paying and stuff like that. I mean, we had to clean up after and all that. <laughs> but, but yeah, it was really it was really sad. It was a great time to be there. Great time. And, and I sort of compare it. Um, I mean, you can't compare it with what the clubs do now. Got, but... You know, the, and anybody that's a young pro and stuff like that at, at Manchester United when Charles Ferguson was there and they were winning this, that, and the other. I mean, what an exciting... You, you, you're doing things that you would never do because you're inside, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, we went, to, um, we went to Anfield when they won the championship, when they drew with Liverpool on the Tuesday and the Wednesday night. And we, we went, we had a bus paper, a minibus over and stuff like that. And we were in the crowd and, and, and you know, you, you can't get that. It was brilliant. It was, it was great. And then afterwards, when we got back, we were, pull, we were pulling into Ireland as they were pulling out. And he got off the bus and we all got on the 
he got us all on the bus and took us to the Queen's Hotel because that's where all the press were going to be and all that. And it was all food and, and whatnot. And we were there. You know, and, and, and they just won the league. And it was brilliant. That was, it was brilliant. I can't tell you more on that one, but that, <laughs> I'll leave it at that. And you had, you played a couple of, uh, I think you made your debut in, like, what was the, like, UEFA Cup? Yeah, yeah. I, um, I played, um, came on as a sub. Um, that was brilliant. Yeah, I don't know how many was in the crowd. There wouldn't have been a big crowd, because I think it was Strong God set from Iceland or somewhere. That'll have been 20, 25,000. And, um, but it, it, I mean, it was great because you go and play with it, you know, you go and play in that team. And to be fair, Strong Godset went, went the strong side. Um, and you got a touch of the ball, but you always had options. You know, when you went to play with them, you know, it wasn't like, well, who do I pass the ball to? It was, who do I not pass the ball to? Yeah. <laughs> and, oh, great experience. And then, because it was terrible, it was, the highlights were on telly later on and that thing. So I spoke to my mother the next day and uh, I said, did you watch the match? She says, yeah. She says, you need a haircut, don't you? I says, oh, thanks, man. That's it. But yeah, it's one of those little things you remember. But yeah, great. Yeah, great experience. The 18,000 crowd at Elland Road was modest by Leeds standards, but still more than three times what the Norwegians in the dark strip are used to. Their number five is under pressure here, he makes a mistake. Alan Clark scores a simple first goal for Leeds. Lorimer really enjoying himself on the right. His cross comes to Frankie Gray, Eddie's brother, little chip, and that's the fourth goal for Leeds. By now, the Norwegians were really demoralised, and it wasn't very long after that that Mick Bates scored a fifth goal for Leeds. The crowd were certainly enjoying themselves, and so too was Peter Lorimer. Here he goes again, and from this cross, Mick Jones scores the sixth and last goal and his second of the match. So in the end, it was a good night's target practice for the Leeds attackers. And finally, just last bit on Leeds. Obviously, Leeds have lost three huge legends in the last in the last kind of year with Kelly yeah, and Peter Lorimer and Norman Hunter. Um, yeah. I mean, three incredible players, weren't they? Uh, no, listen, seriously, they were all, they were all, they were all great players. Um, you know, I think Peter was, uh, I think Peter was a bit underrated, uh, but Peter, Peter was a, he was a very, very, very good player. Um, they all were, to be honest, um, and they all knew what they had to do. Uh, and, you know, you, you had to watch them and you could learn so much from them and stuff like that. And I'm gonna joke in earlier about the two not to pass to. I mean, when you played, Honestly, like there was, there was, you always had two or three passes on that you could, you know. But if you didn't give the ball to Billy when he asked for it, to John Giles, you got a rocket. So you'd always give them the ball. And then, and then you signed for Chesterfield in 1974 in, yeah. in the summer then. And I've, I've, I've picked up quite a, a bit about managers since doing yeah. this. So I know a fair bit about Arthur Cox now, and I obviously knew a bit about John Duncan already. and Stuff like that. But Joe Shaw was something I, someone I didn't really know anything about. So, so tell us about him. Well, Joe got in touch. Well, I went into obviously I got called into the manager's office at least. And he said to get the free free transfer. So then you start working. Well, I got a club and all this, you know. Anyway, Joe got in touch. Um, I was uh, I was because I was thinking about this, knowing that I was going to do this. And um, Joe Joe um, got in touch and uh, he arranged to come up and see me. And 
when you went into the boss's office, because he'd moved, they'd moved the offices and uh, it was massive. His office was massive. And um, he used to have a desk and his, he, he would sit behind this desk, but he was up there. And he'd say, go sit, sit on the settee. Well, the settee was over there somewhere. And you put, you sat down on it and your bum was touching the floor. So you were like that, looking up to him. So he's like, you know, and then Joe, sat, Joe came in and just says, oh, this is all right, isn't it? And uh, I'm like, yeah. And uh, he sat behind the desk and that, Joe, and I saw like this. It just, just a bit of fun, that. So yeah, Joe was, Joe was a lovely, lovely man. Um, I, think, I think he was probably far too nice to be a manager. Um, and I think some players took uh, advantage of that. Um, but lovely man, newest football. Um, and I'm not, I'm not saying this about me, but and and he, he did sign some good footballers. Uh, but it, it, you know what football's like. Sometimes it's not always in that, you know the nice guys. You know don't always win, unfortunately. But yeah, lovely man. And we used to train at uh, Eckington. In fact, it's funny this because I was talking to one of the other lads about this last week. When um, we used to train at Eckington, and on a Friday morning. I uh, used to five aside in that. And um, the pitch would be a mud bath. And Joe used to have like pumps on, like baseball shoes, things. And Joe was the best player. <laughs> it was quality. It was absolute quality, but a lovely, lovely man. So it was the guy, type of type of manager that used to join in training then and kind of show you how well, it was. Yeah, I mean, Joe wasn't a coach, really. He, he obviously was the manager. But a lot of managers aren't coaches, as you probably know. Uh, or they're not very good coaches is maybe another way of putting it. Um, and he didn't really coach. He knew the game and he knew what he wanted. Um, and uh, But yeah, he just used to join in the five side. And it, I mean, honestly, it was a mud bath. And it, it was, and it, and it, it, honestly, it was, it, was, it, was, it was good. It was a good player. But yeah, just uh, me, 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 uh, we saw uh, Ernie Moss, Pure and myself were playing in a charity match so quite a few years later. And, and we, we saw Joe stood on the touchline with his wife. He, he, you know, he, and um, after we went over to him, and because he, he didn't know who we were, because he probably couldn't see us at the time. Uh, and uh, anyway, we just said, we introduced him. He says, oh, he says, he says I've just said, he said to my wife, he says, oh, he says, whether he was just saying this and that, he says, oh, he says, I said to my wife, he says, well, them three can play a bit. <laughs> well, Sure, that's another matter. But yeah, smashing man, lovely. What what kind of position were you in when you first started? Because I read that you played like five or six different positions when you first came in. Yeah, when I first came, um, well, when I first came, I wasn't particularly fit. Um, so um, I did the pre-season and um, yeah, I, I sort of started, started it. No, I didn't start, I didn't start. Um, I, I was so... And then I don't know how long it was into this. Thing. It, was, it wasn't long. And Joe came, he pulled me one day and he said, uh, and he didn't like, he stuttered when he didn't want to say something to you. He said, I think you could do with losing some weight. So I thought, oh, really? He says, and I was sort of thinking four or five pounds, something like that. So I, I said, what do you think? He says, oh, I reckon a stone will do it. <laughs> so anyway, I, I lost the stone in that. And, uh, my fitness, you know, my fitness did uh, improve uh, a hell of a lot. Um, and I just wish I'd have been as fit as what I was. 
when I've been at, when, I, when I was at Leeds because I might have got maybe one or two more games in. Um, I don't mean I would have played there regular far from it, but I would have got one. As far as playing was concerned, um, I enjoyed. I, I started off as a midfield player and then I went backwards. So I played centre half. I like playing centre half because um, I played centre half with Eric Wynn Stanley and um, Big Les Hunter, uh, and I enjoyed that because um, I let them go and head the ball. Um, Fullback was quite easy, really, because you got loads of time and you had a bit of space on it. But uh, later on, when John came, I, I played midfield in some games, and I really enjoyed it. Mm. It, was just, it was different because obviously I'm older, you know, and you think, well, I just went out and enjoyed it. Uh, so, so yeah, just I don't know. I, I just like to think that I, I, I get the ball down and try and pass it as, as, as best I could. I read the game quite well. Um, yeah. Kick one or two, um, yeah. And I keep, yeah. I keep hearing about this famous O'Neill shuffle as well. Well, yeah, it was brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> I fall over now when I do that on the dancer. Um, <laughs> yeah, when 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 I was when we were kids at Leeds, there was a lot of Leeds that came to uh, a lad called Chris Galvin, and Chris Chris brought that with him. We were we were apprentices at the time, and he brought he brought that with him, and then I thought. And everybody, you knew he was going to do it, but it wasn't like, you know, you watch Ronaldo do it and he does about six of them in a second. Chris was quite, um, he quite measured when he did it. It wasn't quick, hmm. but but the probably because of that, they bought it and they'd like, they'd go every time. So I thought, oh, that's what I could use that. You know, you when you're overlapping and stuff like that, you think, well, I could use that. So I just practiced a bit on it and then it, I started doing it. And uh, yeah, got me out of a lot of trouble. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was good, yeah. Yeah, so I, I thank Galvin for that when I see him. And you, you played, um, you kind of slotted in and played a lot of games, didn't you, straight away? Like, uh, I think your first season was like 38-odd league games and then 41 in your second, and then you stayed around that for quite a few years. So I was, I was very lucky because um, I only ever had really one bad injury. Um and I, was, I think with that, I was out three or four, three or four months. Um, but other than that, I mean, yeah, I might, I mean, I might have, I might have got a sore ankle, or kick on my ankle or something, stuff like that. But I was very lucky. Uh, after, after, when I came down here, uh, I missed very few games because of injury. Um, so whether that's because I was fit or, <laughs> or whether it didn't tackle enough, or, <laughs> I don't. But yeah, I, mean, I was just lucky. But yeah, the, I mean, at the end of it, I think, I think I got about 500 odd games in. That's for cup matches, so it's not bad over 12 years. Um, so I was quite tough for that. Yeah, I was. I was looking at your at your stats like season by season. I think there was only two or three seasons where you didn't play kind of less than kind of 30, 30 or more league games. So it's... I don't know what I can't. Once I got into the team, I was all right. Um, I had a couple of run-ins with that after. Um, Nothing major, but yeah, he went to play, he went, I think Arthur went to play a three at the back at one time. And I, did, I don't like playing with a three at the back, but that's um, and he played me as a market. I, I would have been all right if I could have um stuck start, stood in the middle and and like read things, but he won the first game I played against, I played against Charlton in a, it a league cup match, I think, and they had two, two guys up front, one was a big lad. 
I can't remember the names, like I say, and, and one was small, but the big lad, I was marking him. Well, I've got no chance, have I? I can't jump. Not, not with the size. Yes, you know, things like that. So, um, yeah, I just think overall, I was, I was quite chuffed with, with, uh, with getting the games and that. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe it's because it was cheap as well. <laughs> There's some huge attendances around then. So I've only ever really known. I, I, I feel really fortunate that I've managed to watch games at Saltergate and at the new ground. Um, yeah. But like some of the attendances back then, there was a game against Man City in, I think it was 77, I think, where there was like 14,000 there or something, which I just can't imagine Saltergate with so many people in it. Well, I just wonder what that was like to play in. Oh, the atmosphere was brilliant. Well, you couldn't get any more in. Well, you could. I, I think... When we used to play, when we had the good side under Arthur, um, and we used to play like Sheffield Wednesday, Sheffield United, um, Grimsby, because Grimsby were up there. In fact, they got promotion, I think, above us. You know, I think we had something like 15,000, 16,000 against them. And the atmosphere was brilliant, because it, obviously it's a, it's a tight ground, um, you know, and, and but the, honestly, the atmosphere was, was, was really good. Um, and we had a few, and then even when even when there was sort of eight or nine thousand people in, the atmosphere was 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 really good. But sixteen thousand, I think I might be talking out my backside now on that one. But um, there were, there was a lot of people in, and it it was it was it was really really good. It's good. Yeah, and then uh, and then yeah, Arthur Cox comes in, um, and I've spoken to uh, a couple of players now that um, that kind of. Uh, knew Arthur Cox and said he was uh, a, a bit more authoritarian, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I don't know what, obviously I don't know what the lads have said to you. Arthur, Arthur came in. I mean, the, it took it took him a fair while to sort everything out. Now, whether that's because the club didn't have much money uh, or what, or he had to make do with, um, with what he had. And there, were, there were some good players there, um, but we just the, we needed to get we needed to get rid of some because there were some bad apples there as well. Um, so, but then some of his signings, his first signings, they weren't. They, I don't think they were, were as good as what he thought they were. Um, and then for, for for a while, we still struggled. And um, and then all of a sudden we went out one or he went out one one summer and he brought in Birchie, Alan Crawford, um, Jeff Sammons was already there. Did he bring in? I think he brought in John Ridley and Bill Green. I think about the same time. So there was four players he brought in about, and it made a difference. It made a big difference. And then. Um, he started working on how he wanted you to play. Um, and, and my memory's not very good, but I, I can't remember him sort of doing that previously, or he did it up to a point. But we used to go through like the uh, uh, 11, I mean, they talk about it, and they talk about it as if it's something fantastic now, but he used to put the 11 players that were playing the day after, and he used to go through your style of play like that. You know, no, no opposition, and and he just used to say to you, he says, "Listen, don't take this as gospel because other things will come from it." You know, because obviously the the other team, the 
somebody might not make the, the move and all that sort of stuff. So, so we really went into it and we all, everybody knew exactly what the job was. Um, you know, corners for corners against stuff like that, free kicks and whatnot. And, uh, and it got us really fit. And, it, you know, we got it off to a tee. And I think the only thing that, that let us down that season was probably that we didn't believe in ourselves enough. Um, I mean, it was always saying to you, the best team in the league and stuff like that. And you sort of think, yeah, well, he would say that, wouldn't he? He's not going to say about your crap. Um, but um, he, he, was, he, he was a really good coach. He's probably one of the best coaches I've worked with. Um, and he'd sorted it all out. Maybe he was a bit too, um, what's the word? Um, rigorous. He was, he was really, he could be really deep sometimes. And um, sometimes maybe you think you need a little bit more fun now and again, you know what I mean? Uh, so, uh, but yeah, so, so I, think, I think the season would be difficult. I think we let ourselves down to be honest. Yeah, and we were talking to um, Phil Walker. He was saying that um, some of the like, characters uh, or like the, the big personalities that came in really changed Arthur Cox in, in that he had to... Uh, kind of work with them a bit more and maybe let oh. go a bit with some of them. Yeah, I mean, like Sammy, Kim, Jeff Salmons. I mean, I don't know what when I, when I talked, nobody ever mentioned Sammy these days. When you talk about old players and that, Sammy was a smashing player. You know, he, he came from Stoke. I think he came because he knew. Did he come when Joe was there? Not sure he came with, but he, he, he came. Um, obviously, him and Frank were good friends, Frank Barlow. Uh, and, and nobody ever mentions him now, but Sammy was, Sammy was a hell of a player. You know, he could get about the pitch, he got a great left foot on him, he was a, he got personality, uh, you know, and, and, and <laughs> he, he, I mean, he had his own business, he had his own pub in, in Mexborough at the time as well, uh, and stuff like that, and he'd come in on a Saturday for the game and say, didn't get to bed till four this morning, and stuff like that. Great personality, and he always give you 100%. He never gets mentioned, but he was a, he was a hell of a player, Sammy. Um, so he, but Sammy played in, in the old first division, so he's not going to accept somebody like Arthur sort of saying, you're going to do this, you're going to do that. And all. I said, well, yeah, fine, I'll do it, but don't be saying to me, you've got, you know, things like that. So he, he had to work different, and he probably did his off a little bit. Um, but... But Sammy, then Danny came in, Danny was a character, John, John Turner, all different characters. And um, it all adds to the dressing room and the atmosphere in the dressing room. And you've got the good boys and you've got the bad boys and stuff like that. Um, and the good boys want to hear what the bad boys have been up to at the weekend and stuff like that. But yeah, it was, it was, it was this different atmosphere. Great, great, uh, it was a good spirit among the lads, yeah. Were you, were, you a, were you a good boy or a bad boy? I thought I was a good boy. I was just a creep, really, to be honest. <laughs> I had my moments, but um, um, you've probably been told who the good boys and the bad boys are. <laughs> I've not been into that one. <laughs> Where were you on the... Uh, if, if, uh, we, I've been told before about these big um, runs that you used to get taken on out in the out, out in the Peak District. I wonder where you were in the, uh, in the finishing order of those. I was in my car. I was still getting there. Um, oh no! Oh, oh God! You sh- well, to be honest, it goes it goes back to Joe Shaw. So when I came down here, the first the first day I came down, um, 
somebody came in, Harold Roberts or, or, uh, or Clarky came in the um, dressing room and said, Kerber Edge. I hadn't got a clue what they're on about. So, somebody, how do we get there? Because if it was, if it had been at Leeds, you get in a coach. Here, it's get in your car, follow us. And um, so we got to Kerberes, and I don't know if you've ever been up there, but there's a there's, the car park still in the same place that it was many, many years ago. And I got out of the car, and then there's about 100 yards from the car park up to the first gate. Well, by the time I didn't know, the other lads got out of the car and just started running. So I got it. And when I got to the first gate, all I could see was Mossy's backside and Phil Tingy's backside at the top of the hill. And I'm thinking, oh, but that. Then, yeah, just so, but obviously I got used to it. And I, to be honest with you, I started enjoying it in the finish. Um, but I, Arthur's, tra Arthur's training was different to what I'd ever done before. Um, and in hindsight, it was really good. But wasn't a big lover of those. <laughs> <laughs> of those thrones because I was never at the front. And, uh, and yeah, Anglo-Scottish Cup, should, should mention that really, because it's uh, just just past the 40th anniversary, what, a couple of weeks ago? Right. Um, something like that. Yeah, it was 31st of March, wasn't it, the, uh, the, the final? So, yeah, I mean, was, was the, obviously everyone now always, it's the quarterfinal that gets remembered <laughs> more than anything, because obviously you're playing Rangers. Well, I didn't play in that one. Uh, that's when I had the bad injury. Well, I love that because the guy next door to me now, Dave, he's 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 a Notts County supporter. And I, if he says something to me, I keep messing Anglo Scottish Cup for just <laughs> but uh, the um I missed I missed I missed the I missed the Rangers match. I missed most of them, in fact. Um I think I was out for three or four months that with with, with my groin. And um Gary Pollard came in and Polly did a great job. Um so I didn't go up to I didn't go up to Rangers, but I remember I was, for some reason I was coming back from Leeds that night, and I, I heard bits on the radio and uh, Chesterfield had won. And so, yeah, and it was brilliant. And I I I, I had uh, think about Rangers. Leeds United played Rangers one night, and in, in in a European match or something, and the number of bottles that they left. Afterwards was incredible, you know. The most because nobody bothered, and you could take bottles in and that. And there was one quarter just filled up because we had to clean the terraces and that. We just bottles, and then so it was no surprise when they came here and what they were like and stuff like that with with, with the drinking and people were frightened that they were going to uh, damage the town and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, it was a great night, wasn't it? That was brilliant. That yeah, especially being a Celtic supporter, <laughs> <laughs> it was good. And so it was a jubilant Chesterfield team in the dressing room after the game, the club's first national trophy in their 115-year history, and especially satisfying for a manager in his first season, Frank Barlow. Oh, I'm delighted, delighted. I'm proud of the players as well, but certainly the result what we wanted, because if you enter a competition, you enter it to win it. And it was very, very difficult tonight, wasn't it? Chesterfield may have to be content with the Anglo-Scottish Cup for this season's work. The trophy displayed at Saltergate by the players prior to last Saturday's game against Fulham. But now unless they hit a really rich vein of form in their last six games and others stumble, it looks as though it will be another disappointment in the promotion race for Chesterfield, who tomorrow are away at Brentford. And am I right in, at, at, after that 
relegation season. So I think it's what, 82, 83? <laughs> I'm right in saying. Uh, I was born in 83, so... Um, uh, <laughs> 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 um, am I right in saying that you kind of went on non-contract terms then for a bit after that? Yeah, um, the club was struggling for money. And um, I can't remember, it was Barry Hubbard. I think Barry was sort of in charge of the guys that, that took it over. And Barry, I mean, we were all on free transfers. So Barry said to me, he says, listen, he says, come and run the social club. He says, I'm playing on contract. So they were getting two jobs out of it for, for one wage, if it was a full wage even then. Um, so yeah, I did that. Um, and I think, because Barry set this up, um, I don't think John knew which way to take me, whether he trusted me or not. And because um, I said to Barry, well, how's this going to work? He says, well, you come and do your training. He says, put staff on. Well, I only had three staff. <laughs> but it, but it, it, worked out, it worked out really well. Because I, I said to the girls, like, because my wife, she, she, she worked for a little bit in there as well. Um, and the other, the other two girls, one was um, Jimmy Small with the groundsman's wife, um, and, 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 and the other one, woman, she, I said to him, look, you know, will you help me out? Can you do this, that, the other? So he says, yeah, just let us know. So I thought, sort this, I'm not giving up football yet, you know. And um, so I, I used to put the, I used to say to the girls, listen, you've got a key. I'd go in and sort everything out for them for, for when they came and stuff like that. And when I, when I turned up on the first morning of pre-season, John was sort of looking at me, oh. So I told him, and, I, and like I said, I don't think, um, don't think he trusted me initially, because obviously he'd not brought me in and he didn't know me from Adam. Um, and then he, but I did all the pre-season, I played the games, and then there were, he, he brought a left back in called, I think it was Barry, Barry Simpson, Barry Simpson. Barry was a good player. Um, he, and I, I liked him as a player. He was a good lad. He was a Geordie lad. He was a good lad. And uh, I thought, well, if he's coming in to do that, I'm not going to get many games in. But anyway, eventually, um, one way or another, um, got playing again and stuff like that. And then John, obviously, he, he started trusting me a bit more and stuff like that. So I started... I, and I think, to be fair, I think I played, I, I played fairly regularly with John. And because um, he... he, he he let me play midfield some, well, he didn't let me play, you know, play midfield sometimes and stuff like that. And I loved it, really enjoyed it. But I did, I must admit, I enjoyed my time on the job. Because he never said up to me, just said, he just let me, he let me get on with it. Um, he did come to me one day, we were playing up at uh, Whitby in a, in, a, in a cup match. And um, I hated playing teams like that on a windy day, freezing cold in winter. Oh. And um, he come to me at half time and he said to me, because uh, he's, he's got a weird sense of humour, John. You can cut this bit out. He's <laughs> got <laughs> <laughs> very droll. He's very droll. You never know when he's serious and when he's not. He said to me, come to Monday after. He says, I said, are you playing rugby? No, I'm not playing. He says, what, what are you on about? He said, well, you keep finding touch. <laughs> and, uh, and that was the biggest relic he ever gave me, to be honest. That's all he said to me. And uh, I got on really well with him. And uh, I still do when I see him. And uh, he's a good bloke. But yeah, it was just it was just different, but it was good. You uh, you managed to you obviously got to testimonial 
yeah. year, and you had a testimonial against Sheffield Wednesday, and yeah. you won uh, like a Canon something trophy. It was like a Canon League something or other. It was Barry. Uh, I knew nothing about it, and uh, Barry Hubbard was. Um, uh, Barry came to me and he said, "Oh, he says I've applied to some banker. I don't. I think Barclays Bank it was." Um, because you played 350 games and sort of all this, and I've got this for you. So I, all oh, right, thank you. And then I got presented. I got presented with it's a gold watch. Uh, it's a nice watch. And uh, the um, yeah, I've got that. That's upstairs. Yeah, it's a lovely watch. And but that's that was Barry for you. Didn't you didn't know some a lot of people didn't like Barry for some reason, but it was, it was always we had some we had some good laughs. You you don't necessarily seem like the type of guy that wants to shout about his <laughs> career or anything. So, what's it like when there's like a match dedicated to you? Um, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Um, I think Sheffield Wednesday just got promotion. We we've got promotion. Uh, I'd spoken to um, Howard, uh, and, and obviously agreed to bring Wednesday across, uh, and it was on the Friday night. The Saturday after the Bradford fire, because mm. they weren't going to let me have it, because you know what Celtic game was like. Um, and then I spoke to, and I, I can't remember his name, the chief of police, and he says, "Well, we'll do the policing for you, and we'll not charge you." I mean, you wouldn't get that now. He says, "We'll not charge you." He says, "We'll do it for you." So what you know? And there were about eight thousand, seven or eight thousand people there. I think something stupid, and. Yeah, it was good. Good. Then we went down to the club and, and had a drink. I got mine for nothing because I, I was looking after the bar. Um, so, yeah, it was good. And they were good. The, the Wednesday lads were good lads as well because I knew Mel Stale and one or two of the other ones. Uh, and, and, and uh, yeah, we had a good night. Yeah. And yeah. My, mother, my mother came over. Um, and then, uh, yeah, that yeah, was good. I, I, I enjoyed that. And I was, I was grateful that people actually turned up and, 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 and yeah, it was it was very kind of. And then and then yeah, the um so fourth division title season. There's actually yeah. a goal, a goal, one of your goals. Obviously, you didn't score too many. I think you scored like about six. Oh, that's good. I thought it was three. <laughs> but, and there's a goal that you scored against Hereford where it was it was obviously a oh. bit of a cross that went in. Hey, listen, if I'd have been playing for Brazil, I'd have been the best left back on the planet scoring that. <laughs> yeah, it was a lucky one. They'd not been beaten, had they, when they came. They'd had a really good run. They had a good side. And um, it was a really good match that night. And I just, well, well I, was, I was right on the touchline and I knew Mossy was in the box. I mean, if you were struggling, just take it back. Just, and then Mossy would, would think. And, and it went in. It was just one of those things. I mean, it, you know, you couldn't have, if you'd have tried to do it, you could never have done it. Um, but the, I think it might have been a bit windy in that, that night. But, but yeah, yeah, it was great. Yeah. <laughs> and we won. I think won three one or something, something like that. That's the score goal. What I was worried about when I got up there, I could never get back. <laughs> get a bit lightheaded that far up the pitch. Oh yeah, I used to faint. Arthur <laughs> used to say, like, he says, when the ball goes in the box, it doesn't come out. So it either goes for a goal kick, corner kick, penalty kick, free kick to them, and he went. He used to go through it all with you. But it doesn't come out of the box. And like nowadays, you just watch it simply tippy tappy in the way out of the box. But no, nah, put your foot through it. 
<laughs> There's nothing like being a connoisseur, is there? <laughs> breaking dreams were wiped away after only five minutes when Chesterfield fullback Sean O'Neill shot them into the lead with the goal which Hereford keeper Kevin Rose will want to forget for more reasons than one. But it took United only three minutes to hit back and what a good goal it was. Harvey set things up with Stuart Phillips finishing it off. It was all squared half-time, but four minutes after the break, Chesterfield went back in front, thanks to this goal from Steve Kendall. Yeah, you mentioned the Bradford fire, because that happened on the day that you lifted the title, yes. didn't it? So, yes. and, and obviously some changes were made to Saltergate after that. They put in some yeah. like, extra uh, like exits down that main stand, didn't they? Like, as, as a... As a player around then, what I mean, how did it how did it affect you as, as players around that time? I don't think well, you've obviously still got to carry on because it's your job, isn't it? Um, and it, it's like it's like the Hillsborough thing later on when, when all those people got killed in that. Um, I, I, I don't know how, how how could you help them. Um, I mean, I don't think a lot of the authorities knew what to do as well. Um, I mean, Saltergate, yes, they did some bits and bobs, but I mean, I would have thought that um, Saltergate being as it was, God forbid anything that, that had happened there, because I think that would have probably just been the same. Mm. Um, I mean, the Hillsborough thing, when I heard about that, I mean, that was awful. Lad. Uh, I mean, and, and, but I, I, think it's, I think it woke the football authorities up and clubs up, you know, the, the, you know, they needed to modernise, they needed to get out of these antiquated grounds because uh, they weren't fit for purpose anymore. Um, and obviously it took some, took some quite a while to get out and things like that. But um, at the time, you, well, because you're part of football and you're thinking, well, you know, it's an awful thing to happen. Um, don't think that there's a great deal that you can do about it individually, um, but hopefully it's it's sorted itself. I mean, it was a thing many many years ago. I think where at Ibrox when there was a staircase at the back crumbled because of the weight of the people on it and stuff like that. There was a lot died in that, and it, nothing had moved, nothing had probably moved on since that. And when we had a similar thing like that at the back of uh, Ballandrum, but they've the vaulted all that now as well, because they've obviously been new stand. So it did take them a while to wake up to that. Um, but hopefully nothing. I mean, the, the, the ground as it is at the minute took a long time coming, but I mean, it's a smashing ground. It's a lovely ground. Um, so yeah, so hopefully some good came from it. And then you, like you say, you did, you did a, a few things then after you retired, didn't you? Like <laughs> both in football and not in football. Yeah, I, I, I got, oh God, I, I went, I had the, we had the pub uh, and then Mansfield Brewery wanted to, there were big changes within the law for what, whatever it was. Um, so Mansfield Brewery wanted us to come out, they wanted to put a manager in, fine, I bought a milk round, worst job I've ever done in my life, uh, hated it. Um, Oh, bloody awful. Um, and I sold it to a guy who comes to the matches and I see him when, you know, when we, we go in the lounge and I have a chat with him. He loved it and um, sold that. What did I do after that? Oh, I sold insurance. I was useless. In fact, I think I used to, I used to pay people to, to, to like, give me business. I, it was, I was rubbish. I was shocking at it. 
Um, and then in between times, I was coaching. I coached the kids at uh, Sheffield United, Barnsley, Rotherham, Donny, Chesterfield. Um, I sort of quite enjoyed that. The, the thing about doing that is, you know, when you go to these places, because you've played and you've got, like, I'd got, I'd got at the time, I'd got a full license. So they seem to think that, you know, if you say something and they think, they sort of go back ahead. And they think they're after you're after the job. Well, I've never chased anybody's job in my life. If that man's got a job and he's good enough to do it, fine. I ain't got a problem with that. I'm not chasing it. Um, so they were always a bit wary of you. You know, but that's life. You see people afterwards, you think, well, why did you bother with the hassle? So I didn't. But the best the best one I had was at the Chamber of Commerce, because I used to it started off uh, it was like young people. Um, who'd not done very well at school or come from maybe bad homes and stuff like that. Uh, and it was helping them to get back, to get into work, some form of work and stuff like that. And I loved that, really enjoyed that. Um, and then that moved on to the adult one. And then obviously the adults are more cynical and stuff like that. And you have to do stuff that you, you don't really want to do and stuff like that. So, so yeah, but yeah, I did all sorts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been traumatic. <laughs> Did you have a bit of a uh, a bit of a, a spell with your uh, mate Ernie Moss as well in in terms of when he did bits of yeah, money? Yeah, we, yeah, we had we had. Um, uh, I think we started at Matlock, um, and Ernie was um, Ernie knew everybody, the players, and um, we went to Matlock, and I brought some. I I, I was at Stabling. I'd gone down to the coach now, and there was, there was two or three good players down at Stabling. And um, so anyway, Ernie got the job over, over there. And um, so I went with him. And then we brought we brought two of these lads, I think it was two of them over. Ernie knew everybody in league because he'd been in all league uh, himself. And uh, in fact, one of the lads, because I said to one of the lads one night, one of the older ones, I said, why did you come here? He says, just to get Ernie off the phone. <laughs> so, and we had a good side. We had a really good side, uh, good lads, good footballers, good crack. Um, really enjoyed it. Last couple of questions from me. So I just wondered if you had uh, who was the who was your favourite manager that you played under in the time of Chesterfield? At Chesterfield, yeah. It, different managers, you learn different things. You learn what you like, what you don't like. Um, uh, what stimulates you and what, yeah, and all that sort of thing. But I think for actual enjoyment, uh, maybe it'd be, because I, I was looking after the football club where I was getting paid from, and I wasn't getting paid anything from the football club, I think I enjoyed it on the job because I didn't feel under as much pressure. Whereas before, when you're playing, you, you know, you've got to, you know, yourself, you've got a couple of kids, you've got a house to pay for, and all that sort of stuff. So all the time, there's, and, and I, and I'm not saying this um, for sympathy. I, I wasn't the best player, far from it. So, so that, but like I said, when I went to look after the social club and play sort of whatever, I enjoyed that um, probably more. And it was just a shame it ended up the way it did a bit, but, but that's life. Yeah. And, and did you have a favourite kit? Wait, did you have a favourite shirt amongst your time there? The other one was nice. I, mean, I think we won 
because it, it fitted my son at the time, it's nowhere near him now. Um, the V-neck one with a little thin stripe down. Mm-hmm. Well, I quite like that one. Um, when we were at Leeds, we had the best of everything. Track suit, we had like the rugby shirts to wear for training, shorts, two pair of shorts, two pair of socks, your boots, everything. The apprentices came in afterwards, picked it up, put it, got it clean for you. It was hanging out the next morning. All your kit, brilliant. And when, it, when, I got, when I got a free, I thought, every football club's like this. So no problems, I'll not take any kit, I'll take my boots. Well, I got down here on the, the Monday and I got a pair of socks, a pair of baseball shoes. You know them baseball boots that they wear the kids? Baseball shoes, pair of shorts, and a, a T-shirt like this one, right? And that's all you got. And I said, and a towel, a towel. So I said, anyway, I took it home. We had to take it home after training because there was no, there was no laundry. So I, I put it down on the floor. Margaret said, I said "What's that?" I said, oh, "It's my training kit." I said it needs washing. She says, "Well, I'm not doing it. So you can do it yourself." And the, the number of times that the lads turned up because you used to put it in a plastic bag after training, throw it in the bag. The number of times the lads turned up the next morning and forgot to take the kit out of the car and get it washed and dry, and they took it out of the car and was covered in mud. Filthy, soaking wet, and the towels were the same. And it was just, it was just such an eye opener. But yeah, little things like that. I mean, that that's what sort of sometimes makes the team spirit and stuff like that. Because you have, you just have a good laugh about it. But yeah, big cultural difference. I've always, I've always wondered as well. So in the time when, um, it was, you didn't have a squad number and it was just one to eleven. Yeah. Um, I've always wondered whether, like, the number three shirt, if if you're injured and someone else comes in as, as that number are you like just using the same shirt throughout the season or did the oh yeah yeah oh you didn't uh, you didn't have like your number six your number 26 and all that no no just same shirt. because they had 12 <laughs> if they lost one they were still good they had to go to the shop and buy a souvenir one um they now they just the same just the same kid just, it's not like, you know, I, I was thinking about something and um, you know, like now they've got, I've seen somebody wear a 48 or something. So you say to him, what was this new place? Well, I'm a number 10. Well, what have you got 48 on your back? Yeah, just being stupid, but, oh, it's just ridiculous now, guys. Yeah, it's, it's crap. But, yeah. You pick a shirt up, you know, men day, and you pick one up and think, uh, oh, Bobby Charlton's had that one on. Do you know what I mean? You and, uh, uh, or like it, and there was there was uh, <coughs> Leeds Leeds used to wear those things on the socks, like with a number on. It was like a tab. Have you seen them? Uh, yeah, like a tab. Used to yeah. It was a tail, but there was a tab on, like four for Billy and all that. And um, there was this guy, the the the, the telephonist guy, and, and he used to sit there all day as well as answering the phone. He, he could do everybody's autograph. So he's just sitting there signing all the, the autograph books and everything else. But it, nobody knew any different. Stuff, just stupid stuff like that. You wouldn't get You get sold now, guys, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah, identity theft. <laughs> and, uh, and, and looking back, you've obviously played for Chesterfield for, what, 12 seasons or something. 
Is there is there any? I'm putting you well on the spot here, but is there any one match that that stands out when you think of those twelve years? Yeah, the one the one match for me that stands out is uh, we played Sheffield Wednesday when they won the league that year when Big Jack was in charge, um, and we played them on Boxing Day, and um, there was there was a lot of people, and I don't think it was thirty thousand at least, and. Um, we ended up drawing three each because I think I think Sammy scored a screamer from 20-30 yards right at, right at the death to make it three each. And they'd got a bit of a dubious penalty, I think, and stuff like that. And um, I remember afterwards, um, oh, just you come off and you're like on a high. And I remember because we were going up to Leeds to see um, to see the outlaws and stuff like that. And um, I just remember I was I was like buzzing for two or three days after that, but that one always stands out. I remember the Man City match, um, but I came off injured in that, but not before I injured Dennis Jewett. Um, the I remember playing. We played Grimsby at home in the league when they were top of the league and we were top of the league and they were second. Uh, and I had a nightmare because I fell out with Arthur. Um, had a nightmare, but I remember that. But I remember that for different reasons. <laughs> At the start of the second half, I think they put their right winger over the wall on the far side. Um, yeah, and there's not there's not like games apart from the Wednesday one where I sort of think about that. You remember little bits of you know like the like you mentioned the goal against Hereford. Hmm. I can still picture that, but there's other things I haven't had a clue. <laughs> It's, it's, and I can remember things from playing um, in the reserves at, at Leeds. So it's little snippets of things that sort of stick in your head as opposed to, yeah, we played that, it was a great game, and so-and-so scored, and so-and-so. And, yeah, I've, I've, listen, I couldn't remember the day after I scored, so it wouldn't have mattered. <laughs> <laughs> great. Well, thanks for joining us. Yeah, I mean, you'll be in, I'm sure you'll be in the, the that list of top appearance makers for Chesterfield for... For well, the way, many years, yeah. I think the way it's going now, I mean, it's there's, there's very few places where this 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 going to get past, isn't there? Um, they just it's just a different game now. 